All right, y'all. Welcome back to episode 18 of the Eat, Drink, and Travel Y'all podcast. I am your host, Steph Four. Today, I am so excited to have my friend, local Walla Walla winemaker, Keith Johnson of BVM Wine on the podcast. Keith, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Man, um, he's already put a glass of wine in my hands, folks, so... It's, it's the only way to do an interview, It's right? the only way to do an interview, absolutely. Um, we're sitting here in your beautiful new tasting room uh-huh. in Walla Walla, really brand new, right? Brand new, yeah, just opened a couple months ago and um, really short hours, and by, mostly by appointment only until the fall, and then we'll, we'll be open on Fridays and Saturdays. Very cool. Well, it is, I, I love it, minimalistic, bright, light, very, very on brand for you. Yes. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about the winery, everything going on now. But before we get into what's going on now, um, start us off. Just tell us your story, how you got into the hospi- hospitality business, how you you know how you came to love wine, the types of wine you make. Just walk us through, you know, starting off to, to open your winery here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think I took a I took a pretty typical path into the restaurant business. Um, I was going to, to college and um, I got bored and I started smoking a little too much weed and stopped <laughs> going to class. Um, and the natural solution was to go to work in a restaurant. And so I, um, I left school, started working in a restaurant. I actually ended up back in my hometown of Pendleton, Oregon. And um, I was there working at a um, little tiny Italian restaurant, um, nothing to write home about, um, but the owner uh, loved wine. And so every now and then he would open up cool bottles of wine at the end of a busy shift. Um, and it just kind of really captured my imagination. And um, from there, so I worked there for I don't know, 18 months maybe. And I was approached by a distributor in Eastern Washington, Eastern Oregon, excuse me, to um, sell wine um, and uh, beer. It was a Coors, Coors House. Okay. So I, I, um, I, hand trucked more than my share, fair share of stacks of Keystone Light into uh, convenience <laughs> store coolers. Um, uh, yeah, that was quite the experience. Um, but it gave me the opportunity to also work with this. They had a pretty good wine portfolio, mm-hmm. especially for Eastern Oregon. And so it, it opened up this whole world to me. In fact, I was taking my monthly bonuses in wine um, rather than <laughs> cash at the time. Wow. Just for, for the education side of it, because I just was so... Um, I was so fascinated by the history, the tradition, the culture. Um, I started researching a lot, learning a lot. And it was about that time I realized um, that I needed to get closer to the source. So this would have been um, 2009. Um, My now wife, she had just graduated from nursing school and um, we were gonna go, I was gonna go finish my degree and she was gonna work as a nurse and she realized that um, she didn't actually want to be a nurse. So after getting a degree <laughs> and passing all of the exams, she said, you know what, I don't actually wanna do this. Um, and um, so we moved to Walla Walla instead. So we moved to Walla Walla in July of 2009. I enrolled in the Enology and Viticulture program mm-hmm. um, at the community college and uh, Shelly, my wife, uh, went to work for in a tasting room and um, and in August of 2009, I went to work for Rich Funk at Savaya Cellars. And okay. I worked full time in the cellar at Savaya um, the whole time I was in the program. And when I graduated in June of 2011, um, I just moved right next door to Sleight of Hand, um, started as the assistant winemaker there. And, um, and now that's where all this time I've got my own brand as well. I'm still with Sleight of Hand. I'm also a small partner there and um, co-winemaker at Sleight of Hand. Uh, currently. So. Very cool. I didn't realize you've been inside of hand that long. Yeah. Yeah. It feels, okay. um, this was, this was uh, 10 years. It feels crazy. Yeah. So um, I hadn't thought about that until it was my birthday just a few weeks ago. And I realized I've been inside of hands for 10 years. And that, then starting to think about how, how big of a chunk of my life that's actually been. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's a long it's time. A decent, it's just a, a big decent chunk of my life. So. Of my life right there. Yeah. It's a third of my life almost. So, um, but well, um, very well known winery in Washington state. And um, I feel like quite different from the types of wines that you're doing. Um, yeah. So the sleight of hand wines, um, you know, they are um, more kind of, um, more expected wines for Washington State. Yeah. Um, I think we execute at a very high level um, and we make 
beautiful kind of classic Washington State styled wines. Um, I'm very passionate about the wines we make there, and the winemaking has definitely taken been taken towards a more um, a less hand more hands off um, kind of technique and, and model since uh, over the last few years. But mm -hmm. we still make they still present as this kind of classic Washington State profile um, and and do very well with critics and all that kind of thing. And but the wines, as much as I love them. Um, the vision of the other two partners, Jerry and Trey, mm -hmm. that's not necessarily my vision. And so, um, you know, even though I'm very passionate about it and obviously uh, have done very well there, it's, um, you know, with DVM, it was time to just kind of explore all these other ideas that I had and uh, really kind of dive into the outer fringes of uh, Washington State wine. Yeah, because you're doing like, and, you know, I always say when I'm interviewing the winemakers, I am not a wine expert. Whenever mm -hmm. I write about wine or have a project involving wine, I just do my research. I talk mm -hmm. to my boyfriend, Marcus, you mm -hmm. know, that's been in the food industry for, for 20 something years. Um, yeah. It's been like a cool experience for me to be in Walla Walla, to work with wineries. Now coming up on a year, having seen you guys start to go through, you know, getting close to harvest again and seeing Marcus work harvest last year and working mm -hmm. with wineries that were doing it, it's totally different to, to see it mm -hmm. firsthand. Mm -hmm. And actually, before we moved here, um, we were in Walla Walla on a project, I think last July, so just over a year ago, mm -hmm. and we came and saw you guys at Sleight of yes. Hand, yep. you and Daniel, yep. who's at the, you can find Daniel, who's fantastic at the Sleight of Hand in Soto, Seattle, working yes. that tasting room. Yep. Um, we moved here and then he moved away. We yes. moved, to, we moved to Walla Walla and then Daniel and his partner moved to, to Seattle. Um, but you, we, we had the most fun with you guys, just great mm -hmm. hospitality, and you were just so just yeah so hospitable that's like i can't think of a better word you and then you opened a really special bottle for us when uh, we were there yeah just uh, some of our family wine some of our uh, uh traditional method sparkling that i make for the team at sleight of hand okay. every year so we farm farm a little tiny vineyard in front of the winery yeah and it's, it's cabernet franc and so i farm that with my cellar team and then um every year we make um traditional method sparkling from it and uh, we never sell that wine we use it for some events and dinners but then Basically, I just send the wine home with the with the crew. So I have this like slow mo video of you like sabering. Uh, no, I wasn't one. sabering. I just uh, it was, I discoursed. He yes. sabered it. Yeah. It's, it. I'm gonna have to find that video for the for the podcast when it comes mm -hmm. out. But that was that was just so much fun. And then I think it was like two weeks later than that we realized we were moving to Walla Walla. And yes. that's wild. And now and now you you get to see us all the time. Yes. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Well, um, tell us, so you're, okay, 10 years at Sleight uh -huh. of Hand, obviously, you know, working with great people over there, making mm -hmm. wine, a great place to be. Um, when did you, when did you become interested or realize you were so interested in these low intervention, more yeah. style wines? And correct me if I... No, 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 absolutely. So um, I think it's really tough to categorize the kind of wine that I'm making because um, it's really easy to say low intervention, it's really easy to say minimal intervention, it's really easy to say all these things. Um, and they've all become kind of these camps and I'm just not into that. So, um, whereas if you use it, I think it's great. <laughs> I refer to what I do with Devium as, as a minimalist um, project. And so um, really exploring uh, the outer reaches of what Washington can do viticulturally. So with, with fascinating vineyard sites, uh, high elevation, lots mm -hmm. of north slope, and then the winemaking is, is very minimalist. And, um, that is as much a philosophical thing as it is um, a winemaking stylistic thing because um, in our life, that's the direction we're trying to move more and more as towards a minimalist um, lifestyle, really just getting rid of as much of the noise as we can and focusing on what's important. And so with my winemaking, I feel that it should mirror um, this philosophy that we, uh, tr we try to aim for in life. Um, sometimes more successfully than others. Uh, it is definitely a process. But um, so what I, what, I, what I do is that I don't add anything that doesn't absolutely have to be added to the wine. Um, and I've gotten to the point where um, my knowledge and, and what I can do, I've gotten to where I basically don't add anything but a little bit of sulfur to my wines and some wines not even that. And then um, I've also eliminated any technique, technology, equipment, um, uh, tool, um, any process that isn't absolutely necessary. So at this point, my winemaking consists of a press, 
uh, foot crushed grapes, everything gets foot crushed. Doesn't matter. Okay, can I do that with you this year, please? Absolutely. I'm waiting for the Instagram yes. video of the. You okay, <laughs> you said it. You guys heard no, it. He's... No, no, you're, you're more than welcome. Um, you know, this last year I started phasing out such simple things as punch down tools, and so I basically, I basically make my wine with a press because you have to have a press and old barrels, fermentation bins, and um, I do use a pump. I would actually go to a siphoning, um, except. Um, while also making the side of hand wines, I just don't have the time to siphon every, every barrel, but, um, but you know, that's, it, and it's, when you start getting rid of these things, you find just how freeing it is. And, um, there's kind of this purity and this honesty and this soulfulness to the wines that come out of it. Um, they really express, um, where they're from yeah. and they really express what, what, what I found is the more I try to minimize my input, the more the wines reflect. Uh, who I am and, and what I want them to be. And so it's been this fascinating thing. So maybe I'm like going in reverse. I don't know, but that's um, cool though. And you're le really like letting the fruit speak for itself. You're yes. really like tasting. And I remember, gosh, whenever we could travel, maybe this was in 2019, Marcus and I were on Vancouver Island um, mm -hmm. up in Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, I cannot think of the name of the winery, but we, they had just harvested. It was at the end of harvest and, um, the grapes had been had been sitting for like I don't know less like a week, and you and we could taste the wine, and you could it right. was th that was all they had done to it. It right. had just been sitting there, nothing right. had been yeah. added to it, and that's and it was it was Pinot Noir, which mm -hmm. I know doesn't do very well here, but I just remember and, and we bought several bottles to bring home with us. I just remember telling Mark, like this is the best mm -hmm. Pinot Noir I've ever had. It just he just right. picked it like a right. week ago. Yeah. It's just yeah. you know yeah. like it's just been sitting like this yeah. is this is what it's, it tastes like out of the ground, and to me that right. was just like. It was really like a learning moment for mm -hmm. me to really kind of see just how 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 minimalist yes. like you really could be, how delicious yes. it really is. Well, you'll have to um, you'll have to come visit this fall for harvest because then you'll get to see you know with DVM I, I don't you know, I don't make very much wine but I make a lot of different small production wines and with sleight of hand um, in the scheme of things it's not very big but but we handle every different lot individually all the way through until blending and so. Um, you can come in at any given time during harvest and I'll have, I don't know, probably 30 or 40 different fermentations going. Wow. And you can taste this range of different flavors and profiles and experiences. And you can see, you know, whole cluster fermentations versus not whole cluster fermentations and wines fermented in oak versus wines fermented in steel versus wines fermented in concrete. Um, and then you can see kind of the wild and crazy stuff that I'm doing with DVM, which is on a whole different, um, just kind of this whole different, like my little corner over there. Um, but, um, there is, uh, this is why harvest is so exciting because there's no other time of year where you get to smell and taste these flavors. Yeah. They're, they're also, um, uh, fleeting. And so every day those wines are changing different. every yeah. single day. And the wine continues to change once it's been pressed off and put in barrel, of course, but it doesn't change as quickly. And so um, it is, um, it's time you always get excited about it. You, you dread it just a little bit going into it because you know just um, uh, your life is over for three months, um, <laughs> which is fine, um, <laughs> which is what we signed up for yeah. and it's what we do. Um, but, um, but it's also just the most exciting time of the year. And, yeah. um, you know, the, even beyond what you're tasting and, and seeing all these things, um, it's also the camaraderie of the seller team. Um, it's that, um, those moments of, you know, uh, the excitement of the fruit coming in um, and everyone's excited about it. And then, you know, sitting down for a nice lunch during, during harvest, these, all these little things that, that happen along the way. And, um, and there's uh yeah, no other time like it. So you'll have to, you'll have to come down and visit and uh, check it out. And what I think we're like a month out from harvest about right now. So we're getting close. And I, um, I will know more tomorrow because okay. I'm going to a bunch of vineyards, but okay. um, uh, I think we are, two weeks away that close wow um, yeah i know that um some people have already started to pick i think uh wow. kelsey at Ita picked some sauvignon blanc from lake Colina. Uh, i did see that on uh, her instagram so, and yeah. she did the podcast a few weeks oh, ago fantastic. we had yeah, a, I like kelsey a we lot. had a lot of fun another thing that's so great about walla walla is just like the the community here the hospitality the wine community is obviously very very strong i think we're like almost 200 wineries in Walla Walla. It's something it's, crazy it's, like it's, that. It's I insane. It's, I know it's well over 150 and yeah. it's, and it's a very incestuous, you know, yeah. if you've yeah, listened yeah. to any of the other wine podcasts, yeah, we're, yeah. we're, we're throwing out lots of the same names and winemakers and, yeah. 
and 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 yeah, which is again just one of the great things about about living here. But yeah. I was down at um, Roti Cellars today, uh, and you know they're out in the Rocks region, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, they're like looks like they're about through Brazen. It looks like the grapes yeah. have. I mean, they had to put their netting up, which yep. and this is something I learned this yeah. year. Got to see them. I think I moved here right after that happened um, last year. But yeah, putting the netting up over mm-hmm. the grapes, which mm-hmm. we don't do until they turn because the right. sugars right. don't. The, the birds don't come after the, the grapes until 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 the the sugars and that's called the spiraisin when that's spiraisin yeah so um so viraisin is kind of your first sign of ripening and so it happens in red grapes and white grapes um red grapes change color during viraisin mm-hmm. white grapes their skins just start to soften okay and so um that is kind of your first sign that, that the grapes are ripening and that is the first sign for the birds to come in and uh, start eating the grapes yeah and so um we were actually just down in the rocks um uh, sleight of hand, we have a vineyard right across the street called Stony Vine. And so, right, it's right um, near yeah. Roti. I, so I we bumped into Trey last yes, year I'm taking photos I, yeah. uh, from Roti of, yeah. of y'all's vineyard. Yeah. I remember that's so funny. Yeah. So we were putting up there, the crew was in the vineyard today putting up the net set. Yeah, so. yeah, it's so funny. I guess <laughs> I, I work with Roti. I was trying to like take a, I was taking a video of them putting the netting up a week or two ago, and I swear to God, I'm like walking down the rows as they're putting mm-hmm. it up, and I see two birds swoop in and yes. get the grapes. I, I like literally, I'm like, okay, it's mm-hmm. literally like, this is why we're doing this. You should see, um, there are places, sometimes the netting's not super effective. If a flock of birds comes in, they can strip an acre of vines and fast. And it's shocking how, how quickly they can just devastate. That'd be sad to it's, go all year in the It's bad. And deer, the deer are just as bad. Fortunately, most vineyards um, don't have to worry about that, but I have um, a couple of vineyards up way up in the foothills that it's a big deal. And you've got to make sure the gates are closed all the time and the deer fence is, you know, in good shape because uh, deer will just clean out of it. Deer will clean. I'm, I'm from Alabama. We have a lot of deer will, like, come up on my mom's <laughs> porch and eat her uh-huh. <laughs> eat her pansies. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're fearless and they're hungry. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I haven't heard yet, though, that deer was a... Yeah, was a... yeah and they'll eat, the, they'll eat the little shoots, too. So um, when, the, when the vines are first just pushing their shoots out, the deer love those tender little grape shoots. And they'll, they'll just... It's... You know, all the things we have to think about throughout the year. Yeah, well, and so and you're talking a little bit about, like you say, you guys have a, a vineyard um, out in the rocks that you source some fruit mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's talk to me like I don't know anything about wine. So you guys are, are at Sleight of Hand and from Deven, you're sourcing from different vineyards yeah. in Walla Walla, but also yeah. around the state. I think yeah. y'all were like have or in the Red Mountain maybe as yeah. well. So, Tell us just a little bit about yeah. like the vineyards and and. And that, because you said you guys maintain them all yourselves, which is... Well, we we work very closely with the growers. Okay. So um, we don't do the physical day-to-day labor out there, but we are always in conversation with the vineyard managers. Mm-hmm. Because every vineyard that we work with, um, it's not like we just go and buy grapes. We show up one day and give them cash. Like, Yeah. <laughs> what do you got for um, us this year? <laughs> so we have, we have specific blocks or specific acreage or rows sometimes. It just depends on the vineyard. The, those are ours every year. And they are farmed, sometimes farmed very differently than the neighboring blocks, based on what we're looking for and what other wineries are looking for. And so some vineyards we have a big say in, and we really, um, we really work on what's going on out there. And some vineyards we have less input because of either how the vineyard's farmed or who the vineyard manager is or things like that. And so, but for the most part, we're, you know, I'm probably in my vineyards through the year from when the growing season starts probably at least once a month um during the summer that goes to probably every every other week Mm -hmm. as we approach harvest um it's weekly and it gets down to being you know every few days okay um so you'll be spending a lot of time out in the vineyards in the in the coming weeks weeks. a lot and um and then for sleight of hand trade does most during harvest trade Mm -hmm. most of the vineyard stuff because i'm running um the winemaking side of it um day to day at the at the winery, but for DVM, so uh, you know, I talked about uh, liking to work with things that are on the fringe, and so a vineyard I'm really excited about um, is Lewis Peak Vineyard, mm-hmm. which from where we're sitting, it's about five miles, six miles, probably uh, maybe seven miles, just southeast of us. Okay, and it is at uh, three thousand feet elevation up in the Blue Mountains, um, which is where um, outside the Walla Walla AVA. Um, so it's way up above the Walla Walla AVA, and mm-hmm. it's planted to uh, Malbec and Riesling. And at 3,000 feet uh, elevation is not very um, hospitable uh, for grapes, and so the wind blows all the time. It's very, very cool up there. Significantly cooler than the valley, and so I make um, 
I make mean, sparkling wine from up there. Um, but 3,000 feet is a vineyard nobody thought even five years ago you could have a vineyard that high. Yeah. So um, the guy that owns the property, he put it in, um, a good friend of mine, Ben Sinner, um, he put it in and, and um, just to see if it would work. And it works for me. I don't know if it works for everybody else, but uh, but I can make and some so pretty you're growing sparkling. What, malt? I have Malbec malt. and Riesling up there. Okay. So I make two different... Um, you're making sparkling? For I make Pet Nat from both of those. Okay. Um, so... Um, and then, you know, I work with some Pinot Noir in the foothills at about uh, 2,800 feet elevation at okay. Brinkley Slope Vineyard, um, which I make a whole cluster pressed uh, kind of kind of a rosé style of Pinot Noir. And then I'm actually going to make some sparkling from that this year, too. Um, it's kind of, um, it, it gets into your, um, it gets into your blood just a little bit. And you can't help yourself once you, once you dive down the sparkling yeah. wine route. Well, you um, know, I don't have to tell you that I, I have a sparkling wine problem, which has been, you have been a part of that problem, yes. I think. I can't remember if we got one or two cases of the, which was, what was the, the pet The first nap? one was the, was the Malbec okay. um, this year. Okay. Um, well, yeah. and you know, we, yeah. as soon as I saw it on Instagram, we like mm -hmm. stop. <laughs> we scared mm -hmm. Keith was like within one hour of him posting mm -hmm. it. We were just like in the area and we were like, let's just stop by see if yeah. he's here and good. And yeah. I think, I think I finally drank the last bottle like two weeks ago. Wow. So it, it lasted for a while. Last and I was like trying to save the last bottle. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, why you're making more wine? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the exactly new stuff when it comes out. But exactly. like you're yeah, so you're doing. Let's talk about that too for a second because I I guess it was yeah it was during COVID. It was the beginning of COVID. Um, before we had any inkling that we might be moving to Walla Walla. So it's mm -hmm. probably like early 2020, um, April May and March April something like that. And the Walla Walla Valley Wine Alliance um sent us some wines from the region. Just mm -hmm. you know hopes that we would write about it, photograph it, et cetera. And one of the wines that they sent us was a pet project mm -hmm. wine, which is by Foundry Vineyards, yep, which is absolutely. their their pet gnat label. Mm -hmm. And I had never heard of a pet gnat. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is, this is, oh, this is kind of like a, a breakfast wine, like a sparkling, <laughs> but not a full sparkling. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I mean, Marcus knew what a pet gnat was. I had never, mm -hmm. I had never heard of it, but now I feel like it's like the trend. So can yeah. you, like, I, so I try to talk about it. Tell us, let's talk a little bit right. about pet gnats. Tell people what it is, yeah. why it's so popular, how it's different from traditional champagne method, sparkling wine. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I'll, I'll first off preface this by saying that Pet Nat has been kind of an it very, very popular wine, uh, say, I guess, you know, if you want to be technical wine segment for a while and, and it's very, very hip and, um, and I'm not. And so, um, so in 2019, I first started working with Lewis Peak and I'd always sworn I would never make a Pet Nat. There were just two like on trend. It's not my thing. Uh, you know, I, 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 it was not what I was going to do, but I picked these grapes from the small bag and I'd actually tried to talk Ben, the owner of the vineyard, out of even picking it because I could not make, it was not ripe enough to make a red wine. Okay. And I didn't want to make a rosé. Um, and so I said, Ben, look, it's not even worth picking. There's hardly any fruit up there. Um, why don't we just give it a go next year? We'll just leave the, leave them all. We'll just drop it to the ground. We'll, we'll you know, start over. Start over. We'll do it next year. Hopefully we'll do better. And he said, no, no, no. I really want to see if you, what you can come up with. And so this fruit comes in is really only one option. And so I, uh, <laughs> I, I foot crushed it and uh, left it on the skins overnight uh, to get this really beautiful red color, pressed it off into old barrels. When and was this? This was 2019. 2019. That was my first. Okay. First. So okay. I'd been making traditional method sparkling for three years. Okay. And in 2019, I made both. Okay. And so, um, you know, fermented it in old barrels, nothing added in the whole process. All of my pet gnats are, um, have no additions of any sort. So nothing is added, no yeast, no sugar, no acid no nutrients, no sulfur, 100% um, just grapes allowed to ferment um, and then bottled. And so with a pet nap, the way they're sparkling is that you bottle them when they still have a little bit of sugar. So you're still going through fermentation. And when you reach, um, everyone has their different number they're looking for mm -hmm. based on um, how much pressure they want in the bottle. But, um, you know, I, I like to be between let's call it 18 and 22, 21, 22 grams of residual sugar. Okay. And then you bottle it um, right then. And so you have to be ready to go uh, with pet nap because the, it's not going to stop fermenting. And so if you miss your window, um, you miss it. You miss it's it. It's not going to. Um, and right. if you if you jump the gun and you bottle it too soon, well, you've just made a bunch of bombs um, because the glass is very good, but it can't handle too much pressure. And so I made this pet nap. I didn't actually even know if I was going to sell it. 
um, I'm like, I'm just doing this because Ben really wanted to see if I could do anything with his grapes. And, um, and it would, and so I went home the day we bottled it. I probably went home and told Shelly about it earlier. And my wife, Shelly, she said, um, it's like, you made a pet nap. I said, don't even bother bringing it home. She's like, <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? And so, um, I was like, I know I, I never wanted to make one. And, um, so about a month after I bottled it, the fermentation was finished in bottle and I took the bottle home. Um, and I opened it in the sink because it makes a big mess otherwise. And uh, at that time, and um, poured a glass for me and a glass for Shelly and Shelly tried it and she said, um, she said, well, now you have to make this every year. And so <laughs> it was this, um, you know, it's, um, it was never a part of the plan, but, um, but what I realized in 2019 is that with this vision of this minimalist style of winemaking and this hands-off approach that I'm really trying to cultivate, um, it is so much more honest to me and so much more of what I do to make these petulant natural pet mats um, versus making traditional method sparkling. Because traditional method sparkling is one of the most hands-on um, seller hands-on in the cellar of any wine you can make. Mm -hmm. um, so with traditional method sparkling, you ferment the, the grapes completely dry, the juice completely dry, um, so it's done, and you age it in barrels or tanks or whatever you want to do for a while, and then you will add a sugar source and a yeast culture back to it. Okay. Mix that up really well, essentially. Uh, it's the very... Uh, <laughs> layman's very, version very of layman's how version. it's done. <laughs> uh, so mix up this, this you, so you have your wine, your sugar source, your yeast culture, you mix that up really well, you put it back into, a, and you put it into bottles, and then you let it ferment. So it's a second fermentation versus pet nat where you take it in the midst of fermentation and you put it in bottle. Okay. Um, and obviously that's a very simplistic view of what it is. Um, but um, I just found there was such, um, there's something uh, really pure about pet nat for me. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's something that I think we don't have enough of uh, in the wine world sometimes. Um, Pet nat's just kind of a joyful drink. It's a drink that puts a smile on your face. Absolutely. You know, you, you know, you go places and um, you see these people that are really serious about wine, and they, they take a sip of a wine and they kind of frown. You know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, it's that thoughtful, I know. It's that thoughtful frown. It's like, it's, it's like, mm, are you enjoying mm, it or like? And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I think I just I just want to make wines that uh, that instead of when you taste them, you don't frown, you you smile. Um, because everyone can use some more smiles. Absolutely. I um, well, but, I always uh, smile when I drink a pet nat, and, <laughs> and definitely when I drink your pet nats. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, so cool. And so when the pet nats are concerned, so tell me this. So I've had, like I've sampled my way through most of the mm -hmm. pet nats, at least in Washington State. Yes, yeah. So some of them are like a lot more bubbly than others. Yes. So can you, I'm sorry for lack of a more, no, 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 <laughs> a no, more so, sophisticated way to say it, but some are, I mean, I'm telling you, I had yeah. one at, I think it was Grogue right now. I was like, whoa, bubbles. And then I'll, you know, I, I have one somewhere else. And it's like, oh, very restrained. Yeah, like, so, and, and yeah, yeah. So I, I know exactly what you're saying. And you'll find a huge range. Whereas with um, traditional method or method champagne, um, they're typically aiming for a pretty tight range of pressure. Okay. And the amount of uh, bubbles, which is a great word for it, in, a, in your bottle, um, really depends on how much sugar is okay. in that wine when it is put into the bottle. Okay. That is one factor. The other factor is whether it was disgorged or not. Um, so disgorging is when you get rid of all the sediment. Well, not all of it. I I, I like my pet nets a little bit dirty. Yeah. Uh, I like I like. There's a, a little sediment like, in the bottom of those DVM pet yeah, nets. Yes, for sure. Um, the first one I I was a little dirtier than I was even looking for, but now I think I've got it figured out. Um, but um. So for me, I think I think that a little bit of sediment, a little bit of haze in a pet nat adds to the character. Yeah. But if you look at uh, champagne, for instance, and they have riddling racks, and they're very careful about making sure they get everything out of the bottle. Okay. So if you disgorge, you need to start with higher pressure because you lose some pressure when you disgorge because you basically pop off the, the cap and it gets rid of everything that's all the, the, the leaves in it. And then you top the bottle back up and you put a cap back on it. So you'll okay. lose some pressure in that process. Okay. So there are two factors in, in how sparkling a pet nat is. And one is, <laughs> is where you go with your sugar um, at, up front and then whether or not you disgorge. And so I'm going to play around this year. I typically like, for the pet nats I've made so far, I like to be, yeah, call it 18 to 22 grams per liter of sugar to okay. start with. Um, I think that suits, that's the style of those wines. Um, 
I'm actually going to play with this year, I'm going to do one with much lower pressure and then non-disgorged uh, as well. So I'm actually, I'm making four of them this year. Um, oh, it's quite, wow. it's quite, the, quite the endeavor. I, uh, it's, and, and I do it all by hand and it's, um, it's a lot of labor and I, I look at myself like, you idiot. <laughs> Why'd you make this so hard? There's a lot easier ways to make a buck than, than making handmade than that. But, um, but you know what? We're, we're in it now, and so we're just going to go with it. And so I'll be making um, a rosé with Pinot Noir, and um, I will make a skin contact uh, ruse on Petmap this year as well. Um, so um, we'll see how it all goes. I'm, well, I'm excited. And you, if you need any taste testers, mm -hmm. you know that I am always here for you. Mm -hmm. um, how many, so how many pet, so you'll bottle and make these all, because Harvest is just around the corner, so this is yep. all, you're, you're going to be doing this doing all, this in, all in the next few weeks, yes. right? Yep. Because it's yep. the fruit's all going to come off, it's going to come yep. to the winery, y'all are going to mm -hmm. put it, and then and then y'all bottle, you'll put it, you'll yep. age, do you age Well, your... so with, with pet net, you don't age because okay. you need to bottle it while it's still fermenting, and so. So how um, long will it, once you take it from, once you remove it from the, from, from the vines, you mm -hmm. put it, you know, in the, in the vats and in the, in the but, in the barrels. So, so for me, you... it's all it's all going to go into old barrels. Okay. I use um, I use very old barrels for all of my wines, and so um, uh, it it would be easier to answer that question if I added anything to my ferments, but because I don't, they all kind of they all kind of do what they want. Okay. And take the time that they want, okay. and I am um, and I am there to give them as much time as they need. <laughs> um, uh, and will some grapes take longer than others? Absolutely. Are you just tasting Absolutely. them every day? Like, well, how are so you? How do you know when they're ready? So yeah, so we will check the sugar on all of them every day, and as we're getting close to where I know it's going to be time to bottle, um, we'll keep an even closer eye on them. And so, um, because you really do, you've got about a day window, and then you're past it, and so um, you've you got to it. you've got to catch it. Screwed up the whole um, thing. Well, right? <laughs> if that happens, if that happens, I'll, I'll go buy a little bit of. Um, local honey and we'll, we can bump that sugar back up. Okay. Um, but, um, but that's not ideal because these wines, I make them with no additions. So they're kind of this, um, I don't know, I guess the phrase these days is zero, zero. Um, so no additions of any sort. And so I'd rather make them that way. And so what'll happen is I'll pick the grapes. We'll watch it probably from the day the grapes are picked to bottling the pet nat is going to be a range of, um, two to three weeks. Okay. So, so because everything's going to be in barrels relatively cool fermentations, um, and no commercial yeast added or yeast nutrients, it takes a little longer. Yeah. Um, if I was adding those things, you could have it ready to be bottled in, in a matter of days if you really wanted to. Yeah. Um, you have just, you have so much control when you start using commercial yeast and a bunch of nutrients. So. Yeah. Well, and so you said you're going to do four of these. The mm -hmm. fruits are going to be coming in here yeah. in just a couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. How much of it will you produce? How much fruit or will you be getting? And so, how much wine does it turn yeah. into? Like, So these are all questions I haven't quite figured out yet. <laughs> okay. um, uh, with the Roussan, it's actually the same Roussan that we're sipping on now that Which I'll be making a... Um, delicious. I'll be making a 2021... Um, uh, pet nat version of it. Um, it will be skin contact. So it'll spend it probably two weeks masturbating on the skins. Okay. Uh, so it'll kind of be this orange color. Mm -hmm. And then I'll press it off into an old barrel, uh, let it ferment down to where it's ready to bottle and then bottle it. And that's one I'll probably bottle at lower pressure um, and probably age it a little longer in bottle. Um, make, I don't know, Maybe a little more serious, but maybe just more interesting. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And then um, that's so great, though. That's the fun yeah, part, right? It's like, the fun part. yeah, it's like a definitely a science, uh -huh. and it's it's farming, it's science, it's uh -huh. taste, it's, it's it's all the fun things. Sometimes you just need to let let the let the grapes decide what they want to be, and um, and then uh, I'll make. I do, haven't decided how much of it yet, but some of my Pinot Noir that I've been making rosé with uh, the last few years, I am going to make a pet nap this year. Um, probably a couple barrels. Um, I don't know. We'll see how much I get. And then, um, the bigger volumes will be from Lewis peak. Um, I say bigger volumes, but Lewis peak produces very little fruit. Yeah. Um, because it is such a hostile environment. Um, but the nice thing about Lewis peak is that even though I'm picking it, um, at 19 to 20 degrees bricks, so very low sugar levels to start with, um, it doesn't get ripe until the end of October. It's some of the last fruit to come in, which means that I, don't have to be all frenzied trying to get it bottles in the middle of dealing with everything else. Yeah. So I can make a little bit larger volumes of, of those wines. Um, whereas with the two earlier pet nats, it really is going to, some of it will come down to logistics because it's just, it just takes so much time to bottle, to hand bottle. 
you know, uh, 25, 50 cases of wine. Yeah. It, it takes a lot longer than um, sometimes I calculate. And, uh, and so I'll get a little, I'll borrow a little bottle filler and it'll be great. But, um, but, but it'll be a game time decision on how much I make. Okay. So. Do you have little bottling parties or get some um, of the... You know, no, because it's not nearly as fun as it sounds. I, I've, had, um, I've had a disgorging party before. My very first wine, I had some friends come down and help me disgorge it um, until late in the, the night in the middle of winter. Um, and um, that was fun, but none of them wanted to come back the next year. I didn't really <laughs> I um, said no one would come back. And- <laughs> so disgorging, disgorging my second vintage was actually just me and my wife. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, because my uh, assistant winemaker was out of town. Um, when we're doing it uh this year I'll, i should have a, a i've got a decent size cell uh harvest team will we'll be all right okay well and so that's so you're going through harvest with sleight of hand and with dvm at the same time so you yes. just yeah you just don't sleep for the next no. two or three months no. right i um i basically um i'm bottling i've got a big bottling coming up in next week um and then after that bottling i'll get a couple of days to kind of recover and then um, pretty much I won't emerge again until Thanksgiving. Well, let's see you. Keith will yep. not be. <laughs> no, unless you come to the winery and then, um, and then you're going to be put to work. <laughs> so Okay. Okay. Well, I, I wish I could remember which winery it was. I'm so embarrassed that my memory is so bad. But I had a girlfriend that brought me to a small winery in Soto years ago. And they were doing a little bottling party and mm-hmm. they just basically gave everyone like some wine. And I, my job was to put the labels on and it was, it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, yeah, it was, I, I enjoyed it. Got yeah. to go home a few bottles of wine and, yes. and it just, yeah, it was, yeah. I enjoyed it. So we, uh, when we're bottling our, um, you know, the, the larger scale bottlings, it's with the bottling truck and I do bring in uh, a crew of volunteers. Um, that it's not really a party because it's a lot of work, but I always provide at the end of the day a great lunch and a whole bunch of wine, and everyone can sit down and, and kind of have that um, have that time together. Um, and it's something that that is very important to me. I don't just go buy, you know, I try not to just go buy whatever, you know, um, quick easy food. We try to actually put together something thoughtful and have a nice nice meal at the end of bottling day. But that is. Um, that is uh, on a bottling line that is that is filling, you know, I think when we're really up and going on these bottling trucks, we're going about 65 bottles a minute. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. it's actually, it is very hard. It's, no, it is. And I've, I've seen them. It's amazing. Um, I got to, to see it this year with Roti working mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, when they bottled this year, it's like an 18-wheeler truck mm-hmm. pulls up, it backs into the winery, and there's this mobile bottling assembly line with some yep. of their crew members, but also every employee from Roti is right. there right. also helping yep. labels, put the caps on, bottle, mm-hmm. you know, put it in the mm-hmm. box. Like it's, it is quite a thing to witness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I'll pull... Um, Obviously, my production crew, um, which usually is just one to two other people, um, except for during harvest, and then um, we'll pull a person or two from the tasting room, and then I'll get um, five to six uh, volunteers. And there is there's this group of people, mostly retirees, who just go around wall wall bottling because they can go bottle. <laughs> They're living the best yeah, life. I, I so, love it. And they, they all they they go around. They bottle. They um, they bottle and they get wine in exchange and that's, they keep their cellars full by bottling um, a lot. And some of them do it a lot. <laughs> um, and it's the same job. I've got one couple who all they will do is put the capsules on okay. and that's what they do. That's and they job. bottle for like, I think I must bottle for 10 or 15 different wineries around town. And that's the job they do at every one of them. And it is, the, it is the most boring job. It's so tedious, it right? to look at. It's the most tedious, but it's what they want to do. They show up on time every day. They enjoy it. Um, it you know, so I'm like, all right, well, I've got my capsuling figured out. But, um, but uh, yeah, so that's, um, uh, that's how the, the larger scale bottling. But the small stuff like, like Pet Nats, when I'm doing 25 to 150 cases at a time, that's just on a little tiny bottling machine, and it'll just be the crew. And, and how long does that take you guys? Um, depends on how many people I have. Um, we can bottle, let me think, with a six spout filler. No, we have a four spout filler these days. Um, we can bottle about, um, 
about 25 cases an hour. Okay. Yeah, we get going. Okay. If I've got a, if I've got enough, you can get people, them all done in a day. Yeah. Okay. If I, as long as I've got enough people, um, we can do that. If it's just two people, it takes a lot longer. If I've got three to four, it goes much quicker. Okay. So. And you're working. Just give us an idea of the range, like if you will, like the amount of wine that that Devium is producing a year versus like the amount of wine sleight of hand is. Big. What is the difference in size on those wines? Yeah. So um, sleight of hand, we make about ten thousand cases a year. Okay. And DDM is about 800. Okay. So, so that is a, a that's, that's difference. a significant yes. difference. Yes. You guys are very just artisanal, small scale. You said yep. you're stomping on all the grapes, yes. literally yes. bottling stuff mm -hmm. by hand. Yep. Um, and even side of hand, like 10, I would, I would have thought it would have been more because they are such a recognizable yeah. they're i mean they're a force in the washington yeah, wine you know, world everyone knows a sleight of hand Ten ten thousand cases in the scheme of the wine world is not very much in walla walla it probably puts us in the top 10 percent okay wineries, okay 15 percent i would um, i would say it's definitely one of the best well-known washington yep, wineries yep. and and you know very very popular with the, yes. with the guests coming over here. Yes. So our tasting, our tasting room is um, is quite an experience. Yeah, yeah. And talk. Yeah, you guys just did a remodel over there, yeah, right? We just remodeled the tasting room completely. Um, something we've been working on for for quite a while and planned for. And um, you know, we we, we kind of paused a little bit early on um, with, when COVID kind of shut everything yeah. down. Um, but. Um, so we kind of just waited for a few months to see how things are going. And, but then last winter when we had to shut down, um, we took that time to completely remodel. And so we blew out the walls and opened the space up and really with the idea of doing a lot more seated tasting. So sleight of hand just used to be walk-ins, tiny little tasting room. And it was like a party all the time. And it was just chaos. And we'd have this little tiny room, um, I don't know, 700, maybe 800 square feet. And there would be like 70 people in there tasting wine with a line out the door on this. Yeah, weekend. yeah. And we had a little patio, um, but now we just really we expanded the patio tremendously and we opened the tasting room. I think our tasting room footprint now is about 2,000 square feet um, and most of it space for seated tastings. And um, we'll still take walk-ins. Uh, right now we're pretty cautious about it. We'll, we'll take them if we have the space. Mm -hmm. Someday when we can taste the bar again, maybe um, yeah. we'll take more. Um, but everything is seated now. And I think that's the direction the entire valley has gone. Um, yeah, I... and, um, at the end of the day, it's been better for the tasting room staff. It's been mm -hmm. better for, um, everyone's sanity. It's actually just, um, I, we aren't getting all the, you know, we aren't getting nearly as many drunk, um, um, bachelor parties and, um, and don't uh, bring your bachelor party to Walla Walla, no, please. Well, they do, they do. And He's like, just don't bring it to my wineries. Yeah, we, we appreciate them and it's lovely. And I, I enjoy that people are having a good time. Um, but what we're finding is that the we still are getting those groups, but they can't go to eight wineries in a day anymore. Yeah. And so there's just advantages all around. I think there's fewer intoxicated drivers on the road. Yeah. Now. I think there's just so many benefits to seated tastings. And you have to plan your day out because almost everyone is that way. And, and so um, so we set up our new tasting room really to um, to aim for that um, kind of demographic, that feel of uh, people coming in a little bit more serious. We still play loud rock and roll, mm -hmm. uh, all on vinyl. Um, the tasting room still- Very fun place to be. It's very Very um, Pearl Jam yes, influence, it's if all, you're not yes, familiar with, yes. uh, with, with Trey. Yes. Um, yeah, be, be ready yeah. to listen to some Pearl Jam, some yes. rock and roll when yeah. you come by. It's always, yeah, it's, it's definitely a super- it's, it's, it's really fun, it's really lovely, and um, and people really, really love visiting us. And, and uh, the new tasting room has um, has really taken it to a to another level. It's really yeah. uh, obviously a very different aesthetic than this, but um, but you know, it's it is um, it is something that has uh, really established an identity for sleight of hand. And um, and I think that it's it's a great place. Obviously, people visit like crazy. Yeah, places. yeah. No, it's always. It, it, I, I hear about it just all the time. People come in mm -hmm. here, they 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 want to go there. I mean, I definitely was super familiar with the brand yep. before mm -hmm. before moving here. And again, I think even though you know ten thousand cases may not be, it, it it seems like it's it's bigger because yeah. it is very very well known. <laughs> It's uh, we're, 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 we may not be that big, but we're, we're fairly loud. With yeah, so, that's a very, um, very but definitely. You know, you know, you start doing the math on that, and ten thousand cases is um, 
you know, we've got to sell, it's like, uh, it's like uh, 30 cases a day. And when you start really thinking of it that way, uh, it's a yeah, lot of wine. Yeah, that's a lot of wine you got to sell, that's right? That's a lot of wine yeah. you got to sell. Well, let's, we've got a few more minutes. Let's shift gears a little bit and um, mention a couple, obviously you talked about sleight of hand, mentioned Ida. Like, let's talk a little bit just about Walla Walla Valley and some of your favorite wines, wineries, inspiration, people. Let's throw a little love out to this Absolutely. special ABA. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw a quick uh, caveat on my recommendations because I don't, um, recommend a lot of the wineries I love anymore because they don't need me to. Um, no, really. So um, you, you were talking about Roti earlier. I used to be on the top of my recommendation list. They're so busy there. It's sold so out busy. of almost they all their need, wine. They, they absolutely do not need um, a recommendation from from me. And so as much as I like those guys, I like the wines. Um, those. So right. now Tell I Tell us only, some of the underdogs right, so that, that you love that are yeah, a little so, like no, 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 need no, no. to so, be discovered. So I use them as an example, but, but the, the reason is there are wineries that me sending people there might make a difference. And so those are the wineries I focus on these days and so um and it's typically the smaller newer wineries that are doing interesting things yeah. um and so it's actually there's three of them at the incubators right behind us um so you yes. got smack um Fiona's uh, amazing Fiona, Fiona's great uh some delicious rosé and um uh and uh, the best dumplings in town yes um, I have some of her dumplings I'm picking them up this I week know, um, I missed it I was in Montana so no I you have to I so know. you guys so Fiona Mac who definitely is on the list to come on the podcast. She um, makes only rosés at Smack mm -hmm. Winery, mm -hmm. um, but she also is an amazing chef and yep. she has a, a dumpling business yes. now yes. so that she's she's literally selling out of them so fast. It was I know. it was sold out one day. I, I, I got on the website late two mm -hmm. day, like whenever they went up for sale and there was only one dumpling left, but I, I bought. <laughs> I reached out to her directly to see if I could join her dumpling club so I didn't have to worry about it. She's like, sorry, it's full. Um, <laughs> no, so, there was no. Uh, but, uh, but so she's like, she was like, you can order a la carte as long as you get on in time. I'm like, uh, anyway. Um, and then Ita, I Ita, think, I I think Kelsey's making um, really lovely understated wines. I like what she's doing. I like Kelsey. Um, and um, I do too very much. And She's I think amazing. That it's a very positive brand for, for the Valley. Um, and then, uh, Robert Gomez with Hoquetes. Okay. I'm not familiar new. with that. Um, he's making some wild stuff, some, uh, Cabernet Franc and Amphora, some Riesling, um, some Rosé. How long has he been at the incubators? He just moved in. Okay. So About the like, same time I opened. Brand, okay. Uh, so like new. brand, brand new. And brand new say the name of the winery again. Coquetus. Coquetus. Okay. So it's H-O-Q-U-E-T-U-S. Oh, okay. So, um, and, uh, he's a fascinating guy. Really, really nice guy. And, um, and, uh, he's a low, I think he's, I would have to find out. He's, Worked in the restaurant scene in Walla Walla for a long time, and most recently, and I think he's still there, uh, bar manager at Pasta Tempo. Oh, okay. So I Which think is a he's still at Pasta fantastic Tempo. restaurant um, in town. Um, if anyone's I, looking for food recommendations yes. when they come to, I mean, we we have spent way too much money uh, <laughs> at, uh, at Pasta Tempo. It is. Yes, I am absolutely. telling you, that restaurant could be in New York City. Absolutely it could be could. in San absolutely Francisco, could. Tokyo. It is outstanding that we have they're making their pasta by hand every day they've got mm -hmm. beautiful prosciutto that they're mm -hmm. you know cutting at that station mm -hmm. their cocktails are amazing mm -hmm. obviously an incredible wine list um, great wine list it's a great place you know we're, we're blessed with some great restaurants here in town yeah what are um, any other of your favorites oh, well, sorry so deviating one, one now last, from one, the one last winery is um i will recommend and stylistically um leans very different from what i'm doing but i love the intentionality and the focus they have um, is um, Prospice, and they're also up here at the airport. And um, okay. two guys um, making some very, very um, uh, well thought out, very um, focused wines. Not and super familiar with them either, but they're not they're not new. They're pretty new. The last few years, so I think okay. 2017 was their first vintage. Okay. And then, um, and then the last one um, that I would add, although he's starting to uh, starting to get so popular, maybe I don't need to recommend him anymore. Is uh, Grow Green. Um, I think Matt Austin's making some no, great wines. No, they're down there. they're and, amazing um, in that. That's actually the only wine I've never been in a wine club before. Uh, Marcus uh, has, and yep. well, I don't know. Are we in your wine club? Because I'm not even though. Yeah, you don't have one. Uh, and like, actually, I know. Last time I, we saw you releasing something, I was like. Text Keith yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. like, because Marcus so, like, wait, we're on the email list. I'm like, yeah. but but there's yeah. not a, yeah, so, so you don't uh, actually I, have a wine I, club. I keep kicking around the idea of a wine club, but I have never figured out a model that I like. And so until I figure out a model that I like, um, I won't have a wine club. 
Um, so that's just how it is. Well, um, Grow Green actually has a great one. They just they do, they do yeah, only they do two releases a yep. year, and um, yeah, yeah they, I think it's six yeah. bottles and it's Again, affordable. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of good models out there and a lot of good things. Every time though, I, I kind of wrap my head around it with, with what my production's like. It doesn't really fit anyway. It's a longer conversation than we need to have. Um, for <laughs> um, for restaurants, uh, my favorite in town is Saffron. Um, my absolute favorite restaurant. Outstanding um, Mediterranean um, food. Um, I, I I love Island, and mm -hmm. um, it's a it's it's family owned, and yeah, yeah. I I don't know a whole lot about their history, but I can tell you that they are. I would. I would not say that they, they are definitely one of my favorites and one of the best, yeah. but I would definitely say that in my opinion, they are the most, and I'm putting air quotes around this foodie restaurant yeah, in town. Probably. I yeah. Think, I think you're right. They are. But then, you know, then you go through and that is just, and part of that is because um, we have such a great relationship with Chris and Island and Fook, um, who does uh, manage their wine list. Um, they've all become good friends and, um, and the, uh, the best, uh, well, the only pho in town now, and it's the best pho I've ever had, is actually Fuchs that he makes at home. Um, well, how but, am I supposed to get that, Keith? Well, we, 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 uh, I had him actually. I had him do my post-harvest uh, lunch for the team. Maybe we'll uh, maybe keep I will come I'll home if you. I can I'll have you to the post some pho. Lunch. I yeah. will. I will. I will help for pho. I will mm -hmm. work for Asian food. I will sadly yeah. say that the mm -hmm. one thing that I dislike about this town is that we're very limited in our yes. Asian, oh, Asian it's, food, it's, no it's ramen. A, there is a, major, a sushi it's a place. Major There's problem. Yeah, uh, Soy 71 has the food truck now. Right, and, and his food is fantastic. I've heard it's amazing. I wanted to actually get out to but Smack this weekend. He's been open much. I, he's I, doing the food truck thing. He was yeah. just at Smack on well, Saturday, was, and then Sunday okay. he was at the Finch, but I was like super hungover on Saturday. Food, I was planning go. to go out there. It's, go. His food is exceptional. He's uh before he opened he did a couple things aside of hands and it's um no i've heard it's, it's to die for really, i just really i like uh, it, the timing is never right but it's, yeah. it's on the top of my yes. list and i i heard soy 71 was a brick and mortar restaurant that is now a food truck food truck and i think the food i think because he's not making a full menu anymore he's focused on four or five things he's able to do it I like super well yeah yeah um but uh, no, we're blessed with a lot of great restaurants. I, you know, I, I couldn't point saffron, but I love T Max. I love Hadaways. I love Crossery Four. Um, yes, uh, it's like the full list. All Pasa the Tempo, all the good um, ones. For you know, we've got great tacos. We, you know, we're we're very fortunate in this town. If we just had we really are. Restaurant. I feel like there is like actually a disproportionate amount of good restaurants for the mm -hmm. size. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I am from. God, Montgomery, Alabama, which is, mm -hmm. I mean, like Walla Walla is 60,000 people in the surrounding areas yeah. and Montgomery is 250,000 and the restaurant selection where I'm from doesn't hold a candle to, uh, you know, but we do yeah. like every restaurant that you mentioned is amazing. I went to an incredible wine dinner last night with Max Petty from Eden Hill in Seattle, who's opening the so old White House yeah. Crawford yeah. space. I mean, we, we yeah. really have just, we are... We are super lucky with the, but I think it's because people that love wine love food. Yes, so I think absolutely. that it just goes hand in hand. Absolutely. And, uh, and winemakers love food. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, you do get some, um, you do get some extra business uh, from, the, from the locals as well. But I think, you know, the town, everyone who goes out to wine taste, um, visits a region to wine taste, they're definitely going to eat and drink well yeah. um, outside of the wineries yeah. as well. And so um, we are very fortunate. This is a, I mean, it's a great little valley and um, and we're pretty lucky with what we have. I, I cannot agree with you more. We definitely, again, I do miss the Asian food options, but I'm I'm never wanting for good right. food. Like there are, there right. are so many options here. Um, <laughs> um, well, okay, so before we wrap, I cannot believe we've been talking for almost an hour. Um, I mean, I knew this was going to be a great one. You're so interesting. Literally, when I launched the podcast, like you've been on my mind, like since the very beginning, I knew that we were going to sit down and do this. But just tell people a little bit more about how they can find you, find Devium. I mean, it doesn't, no wine club, but to, you know, revisit, like when the tasting room is going to be open, where they can find your wines. I know I've seen Devium in Seattle at Mr. West. Yes. And I think, are you guys in Ladiv as well? In Capitol uh, Hill? Yes. Uh, I know I have been. You have been. I think um, I've seen you there. So it's like, you're not yeah. impossible to find in Washington yeah. state, yeah. but it's not easy. So tell us just yes. like how we, wh so, where we can pick you up and, and, and 
tasting room information? So the, the easiest option is to go to my website, easy to find, uh, you know, dvmwine.com, uh, sign up for my newsletters um, because I always give priority access to all of my wines through, through my email list. Um, but if that is not an option, um, my wines are available in um, Seattle. Um, and then I actually just, uh, I have a distributor in Oakland um, and I oh. have a distributor in um, Minneapolis who I have not sent any wine yet, but I have an order sitting in the back for them. Um, and where can we find you in Seattle? So I know I've seen you at Mr. West, so I know you can find head. him there. Um, you know, there are some wine shops, uh, kind of natural focused places. So oh, Left um, Bank, I bet. Uh, Left Bank might have the wine. Um, I know the wines have been at Glinda Wine Shop recently. Okay. Um, a lot of the Ethan Stoll restaurants have done have worked with the wines oh, wow. recently. Okay. Um, That's uh, awesome. Some congrats. of the Renee Erickson restaurants have. Um, um, where else? So, Mr. West. Um, basically if people have a, um, kind of a natural leaning wine list, yeah. um, there's a decent chance, but I don't make very much wine, so it's not everywhere. Yeah. So it's limited. Have, so if um, you see it, buy it because yeah, it my, is, it is, it is very limited production yeah, and, my, and it's uh, delicious. And my, my, uh, distributor in Seattle with Walden Selections and they do a fantastic job, um, okay. representing the brands and, um, are two of the loveliest people in the business. So, okay. Okay. So that's, uh, that and, and then, and then, like you said, you're open right now. Like I said, we yep. are sitting in his beautiful new tasting room. I'm so happy for you, by the way, this is such mm -hmm. a beautiful space and just, it's such a great spot for you to be, to have your own, your own yeah, kind of, kind of out here on the fringe. Yeah, um, but it's... We're, we're the furthest out in the, in the airport district. Um, right now, um, for the next three weeks, it's by appointment only. But then second, third week of September, we'll start being open Friday, Saturday. Friday, we'll Saturday. Open 11 to 4. Okay. Um, and then by appointment, um, the rest of the week as we can accommodate. You know, okay. we, don't, we don't know. Um, but usually we can make something work. So it's, it's you're either going to be tasting with me or with my wife. And um, and that's, uh, that's, that's what makes it so great, though. Yeah. I just, like, that's, you'll be sitting here with you, like yeah. the winemaker, your yeah. wife. Like, yeah. you guys are the ones that have put so much into mm -hmm. this and, mm -hmm. and, that's what makes it so special. Like in one of the many reasons I was excited to have you on. I just, this was, this was, this was such a treat. Um, thank you for chatting Washington wine restaurants, pet nets. I'm, I'm glad we got to take a deep dive into yeah. the pet nat yeah, world with sure. you. You are definitely the person for it. Um, when is your, or do you have any pet nets available for sale right now? Or are you sold out? No, I'm sold out. And that's why I'm making more is because um, they go very quickly. And so I want to be able to release them throughout the year so that okay. there's always, a, well, there won't always be a little bit, but I can kind of sprinkle them through the year. I'll release my next pet nat. Um, you know, Walla Walla is really kind of gloomy and foggy in January. Yeah. And kind of, um, we love it because it's the cozy time of year and we roast chicken and drink Beaujolais and, mm. and, um, yes. and <laughs> spend a lot of time uh, reading. Um, but um, I always feel like, you know, right after the holidays, everyone's kind of gloomy. And so I like to release a pet nap like January 3rd. Okay. Um, Putting so it on the calendar. Yeah, so <laughs> January 3rd, I'll release, um, I'll probably release my Malbec, uh, my 2021 Malbec on January 3rd. And then the spring, I'll release the Rosé and the Riesling. And then I'll release one next fall. I don't know, all this stuff for change. You know, you never okay. know what I'm going to. Get on I, the I email know. list all, is what you're what saying. saying. It's like, it's going to, but no, I love that. It's going to be go sporadic throughout the year. So hopefully mm -hmm. if you're on the email list, there will be one available yes. at different times. So it's, it's dvmwine.com. dvmwine.com. And there, um, there should just be down at the bottom of the page. You can just sign up for my email. Okay. And then dvmwine on Instagram, Facebook Instagram. as well. Sort of Facebook. Trey sort of runs that for me. I'm not a Facebook person, so right. um, I've never, well, I've never had a Facebook account, and so Trey, <laughs> Trey, when I send a when I send a newsletter, Trey updates the Deviant Facebook page with the newsletter, and so I have no idea what goes on on Facebook, but. Um, so Instagram but, for the real behind yes, the scenes yes. from Although, Keith. A Facebook yeah. page exists. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty sporadic with Instagram, but uh, but we'll see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll uh, I don't know. It's never not seemed like the time. <laughs> uh, but maybe this fall, maybe this fall, I'll, I'll be a little more active again. Right. Well, 
Keith, this was so much fun. We just finished a bottle of the 2020 Roussan. Yeah, releasing it, was, it next month. Okay, releasing it next month. Get on the email list if you want it. Um, I can tell you, just had to have a bottle of it, and it's amazing. Keith, um, I would so cheers you, but our glasses are empty. Yes. Thank you so much. It was so great having you. It was so much fun to be on this. Thank you for your time, and uh, I hope you have a lovely afternoon. I hope you have a lovely afternoon, too. Thank cheers. You. Thank you. Thank you.